Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to another Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, and today is March 31st, 2020. And today we have a very special guest, Brad Wood. <laughs> yes. Hello, I am Brad Wood, and today is my 111th birthday. Oh, wait, no, that's Happy birthday. <laughs> we got a big old cake for you, Brad. So big we can't oh. even see ourselves anymore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry, don't get to I've, eat it. Corona I've turned out. 40 today. I'm over the hill. I'm old. Yeah. Nice. So he's sharing his special day with us when he could be quarantined at home with his loving family. Oh yeah, that's probably why. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm escaping from them. I got the door shut and barricaded in my office. Too much fun. Okay. Well, thanks to our sponsor, Order Solutions, for making this possible. Uh, during this time, um, we are still doing online training. So if you can't make it to uh, on-site trainings and those types of things with the quarantine, uh, we're still offering on-site training so you can learn from the people who actually made cold box command box test box content box etc so if you guys are looking for training let us know we're still working we're working hard during this time uh, and so we have uh trainings available if you'd like and we also have some pre-recorded stuff as well packages so let us know how we can help and patreon supporters we're up to 41 percent of our fully funded um target our goal for basically fully funding our podcast here and uh, we've got a couple of new people again this week, so uh, more what? Patreon supporters. So thank you, everybody, who's coming out and supporting us. We really appreciate it. And we'll tell you more about our Patreon supporters at the end of the show. So thank you, everybody. And if you'd like to chip in, um, patreon.com slash order solutions is where our Patreon page is. Find all the cool packages with weird names, and you can support us, too. All it takes is a measly arm and a leg, and you all know you're hoarding one more of those than you really need. <laughs> Okay. 23 patrons. Nice. So, news and events. What's on the docket today, Gavinho? Well, we had a couple of uh, announcements. So, Lucy announced the Lucy 5.3.5.92 final. And also, they actually talked about the 5.3.4.80 hotfix that they t we talked about last week. <laughs> so, enough dots there. But um, basically, they, you know, they released 5.3.5, uh, which is. Uh, a big update and then um, they talked about how they try to sneak out that hot fix and not tell anybody <laughs> uh yeah it is a reminder the build so build 77 was the original 534 release build 80 was the one that snuck out a few days later but as an as another reminder there is a build 85 on the 534 release that from my understanding they're not going to release as a stable version but if there's issues in the five three five release um and you want to stay with five three four try out that snapshot 85 because they do have some a couple big regressions fixed in that um so yeah i i actually spent half of my day yesterday um submitting puck reports to lucy for regressions that i had found in the uh, the five three five release unfortunately uh now i don't know that they're regressions that will necessarily affect other people uh per se but they definitely affected me um I was trying to test command box to see if I could do a, a switch over to 535. So I may or may not need to, to hold off on that. We'll see. 
Yep. So uh, we have the blog post there linked there as well. So uh, definitely try out the uh, try out those ones and let us know if you get any issues or let them know so they can take care of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely important to test those and, and um, command boxes. Obviously, with our automated builds now, they're available as they release them. There is a five three six snapshot that, from my understanding, is supposed to come out in the release candidate sometime soon. So. Uh, make sure you are testing the 5.3.6 before it gets released so <laughs> we can find the regressions ahead of time. I feel bad that I didn't find all those regressions of 5.3.5 until after it had gone stable and I started kind of testing it in earnest and I was like, ah, oh, crap, I should have tested this earlier when it was still in release candidate, but I, I didn't give it that much testing. Okay, so a couple of nice releases there for Lucy. Uh, definitely check them out. And next on our list, um, Adobe 2020 news. Um, so mm-hmm. obviously, the there's been doing some work with inside the the alpha, the private um, testing, but they also made a blog post just last week where Chief was asking people what our feedback was because they're talking about no more GUI based installers for ColdFusion Next. So they're talking about that possibility and seeing what we think. Do we need installers? Do we not need installers? What do you think, Brad? Uh, you know, I didn't realize they'd asked this question publicly. <laughs> I saw it come through my email, and I assumed I was seeing um, one of the forum posts from the uh, uh, the pre-release forum. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't personally care at all about the installers because I don't use them. <laughs> uh, however, I'm afraid if they move away from them, it'll be jarring for I think a large percentage of people that still use the installers. You know, the kind of the next, next, next installer. Um, I would like to see them focus on more of the silent installers and headless installers for sure. Some of the add-on services I know pretty much have um, horrible headless installers. You can't configure anything. It's a real mess. Um, So I would definitely welcome them focusing more on the non-GUI installers. But I would want them to do that on the add-on services as well. Because like right now, you can't even do a headless install of like the PDF services or the the .NET services. Um, and even like set the ports that it uses. It's just impossible. You have to do manual steps. So maybe, yeah, we'll see. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I wondered myself when I saw it, and I actually had to go find it to make sure I was seeing it was still public, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. That are, I know they've mentioned it a couple of times as an option. And right now when you, you get it, you know, like th- that's sort of one of the last things they usually do is tidy that up. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting thought, and they're definitely thinking more modular and everything. Um, but I also like them to make sure that that modularity is, is, I guess, convenient as well. Because uh, well, I probably can't say, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> one, one of the comments here on the, on the Adobe Community blog post, somebody just simply typed npm install cold fusion. Um, which is sort of funny because it's like you, you realize you had that. It's called command box, box server start, CF engine equals Adobe, right? Like that does actually already exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, some people don't get out of their box. That's why we got to bring all the boxes to them. So, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, give your feedback, guys. So that's up on the cellfusion.adobe.com um, portal. And uh, we'll have the link in the show notes. And if you're watching us live, we have it in the chat as well so you can go check that out just not until after the show okay <laughs> okay uh, next on our list we have a release of cb security 2.3 was released 
So uh, Luis locked himself in a room over at quarantine and uh, got busy with the CB security update. So he's released a new uh, version with lots of extra goodness, he says. Um, so <laughs> version focuses more on security context from any layer of Coldbox application. And so um, this allows you to do some interesting things, which funnily enough, CBGuard version 4.1.1 was also released. And uh, me and Eric were working on a project where we needed some more stuff for CBGuard. So we added that in and it looks like CB security has got some pretty similar approaches there. Um, we'll see if Luis copied us exactly or not, but uh, same type of approach. So just trying to make it easier for you to lock down different parts of your, your app all from one module. So. Uh, got a few nice uh, enhancements in there in 2.3. So that was released this week. And as I did mention, CBGuard 4.1.1 was released as well. And so, uh, like I said, the big change there was really the we have a, a CBGuard component now. So you can actually, you know, use Wirebox to uh, inject that. And then you can basically have more fluent ways to sort of wrap down your lock down your app so with cb guard for those of you who don't know it allows you just to put a little metadata like secured on a handler uh, or on an action and then basically triggers um some some security checks and previously you weren't able to pass in certain information that you might need or whatnot and so the cb guard allows you to call it directly and pass in whatever variables you need so if you need the logs in user um, or if you need you know a certain variable that uh, you get in from the URL scope or something, you can directly pass those things in and call specific actions. So uh, that's a pretty, pretty cool little upgrade there. So we also had uh, QB 7.6.0 was released and that was basically a bunch of small quality uh, life improvements. And so we had uh, several little things again. Life improvements? Yeah, quality of life, you know. Does, does the module have a life or is it improve the quality of your life if you use the module? Uh, both <laughs> but yeah it definitely <laughs> helped uh like i said me and eric have been working on a couple of projects together pretty uh pretty close doing a lot of peer programming to to beat the the solidarity of the lockdown but uh Solid. we've been doing a lot of a lot of cool stuff with qb and so a lot of this is coming out of there and some changes to quick was released last week as well so pretty cool but um so 7.6.0 of qb is released so lots of little releases of last week so good to see things are still moving, still flowing. Sound like you said seventy six, and you know I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> yeah, Brad, we know you and your anti Eric semantic releases. <laughs> I'm not anti; I just make fun of. Yeah. It's like how long will it take? Six to nine months. Sixty nine months? No, six to nine months. Yeah. I guess. Yep, I love that movie. <laughs> okay, Don't so. We all. So Luis has also been working on some uh, Coldbox 6 stuff as well. So he mentioned he's been doing a lot of work on the wrist controller. So if you guys ever use the wrist template from Coldbox, there's a, a wrist base handler in there, sort of a, a controller basically that we have set up. And it works pretty nice. We released it as a module a while back, but then we had to sort of unrelease it because you always have well, to customize it. Luis didn't it. like it. Yeah. The, yeah. So the, the REST based handler, I mean, you can do a REST API with just vanilla cold box, no problem, right? I mean, we, have, we give you the render data, we give you the, the ability to control, you know, status codes, all that stuff. The base REST handler just grew out of the REST APIs we were building at Ortis. And we found ourselves building the same stupid stuff over and over again. And so we kind of consolidated it down into this like base handler and like kind of base response object that we just kind of started using for everything. And then we were like, well, hey, we should put this out there so people can use it. 
The problem was Luis never wanted to like bake it into the framework or make it just be a drop in module because the goal was you were supposed to kind of take it and make it your own. You know, you take the base rest handler that you extend with your handlers and you go in and you add your little bits of flare and everything. Uh, so it was always kind of a, a manual thing. It was never like a drop in deal, but it's kind of gotten to the point where I think it's super flexible. A lot of people are using it and a lot of people are like, Hey, why can't we just be able to say, you know, rest equals true or something like that and have cold boxes automatically do it. And so that's kind of where we're taking it now is okay, let's find a way to bake in what we have, you know, keep it extendable so you can still override the little bits you need, but just make it that much easier to tell cold box six, Hey, this is going to be a rest handler. And then, you know, the behavior is just automatically switched. And I think it's a great move because I think that the, the convenience little methods that we've baked into the base rest handler and the response object are super handy. Um, for your APIs. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that one, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, like I say I use it all the time and I've added up a whole bunch of little helpers in my response object to make my life easier. Cause I was sick of writing the same five lines every time I'd have an <laughs> error, you know, sit status code, yeah. sit error, add error <clears throat> message, you know, like, so I, I just made little helpers to make my life easier. And I think all those little things are handy when you have them in a shared module of some kind. So my thing was before, we could always extend that base handler we had with my own base handler and override stuff. And that's, that's what my approach was when we released the, the module, but it's going to be baked into cold box six now. So you can get to it. And he said a beta might be out as early as next week though. So yeah. cold box six beta coming and soon. What, what this is is really to a degree cold box becoming a bit more opinionated, which I don't think is a bad thing. Cold box has been accused <clears throat> by some people in our community of being overly opinionated and the, the hilarious irony is it's actually like literally the opposite. Some parts of cold box are like so open and inflexible. People are like, just tell me what to do. And we're like, do whatever you want. So this is like an optional thing. You don't have to use it, but it's like, if you want to use it, this is how you do it. This is what it looks like. It's kind of opinionated, but it's freaking so nice and easy. You'll love it. So I, I like this. I think it's kind of good to have some opinionated stuff that people can toggle on if they want. And it kind of locks them in a bit, but it reduces just tons of work. Like, so yeah, I'm looking forward to the beta on that. And of course, you can always use the cold box bleeding edge by just typing install cold box at BE. Um, that's always the case. So if you want to play with the snapshot builds right now, we don't make any promises <laughs> that they work, but you can always test them. Yep. Uh, it's definitely, definitely fun to play with that stuff. And yeah, that's the weird thing is whenever we do all these trainings, we're like, you can do it this way. You can do it that way. They're always like, well, how do you do it? <laughs> everyone wants to know how do we do it so that's why it's well, yeah that's that's the thing sometimes people want to be told how to do it not always but sometimes they don't care you know they just have a project to get done and we're like just tell me what to do tell me what to copy and paste off stack overflow <laughs> how do i make this api work yeah you just got to lower your cognitive load the more decisions you make you know the harder your day is so if you don't have to think about it you just do it life is so much easier yeah. i mean using the resourceful routes is like okay do i call it list do i call it index? no i just call it the same thing every time do i call it yeah. create update delete insert you like you know like which one am i using am i using crowd or am nice. i using yeah well john Farr said in, in in the chat here that uh we should uh we should we want to be more predictable um i don't know i, I john said we don't want to be opinionated i think we do but maybe we're talking about the same thing i think predictability kind of is the whole point of a framework you know, you look at an REST API, you know what the actions are going to be, you know what the methods are going to be, you know how it's going to work, because they all work the same. It's like every Ruby on Rails app. There's no question of what little, you know, flourishes developer, you know, C decided to add into their app. So, uh, oh, that was sarcasm. 
Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I still agree with it. It's just the predictability that that provides the benefit. Um, you know, you know how cold box REST API is going to work, and you can understand it without having to dig into it. So that's really the benefit. I also like the what would Ordis do? WWOD. Can we get like bracelets <laughs> or something with that? WWOD. What would Ordis do? <laughs> yeah, Scott's saying he just wants to think it happen into existence. I I hear Elon Musk is working on that. <laughs> How's it working for him? I don't know. <laughs> like his Cybertruck. <laughs> He's once they get the robots built, that's going to take all of our jobs. I think the robots will just do it, won't they? Yeah, probably because they're the only ones that can leave the house anymore. <laughs> yeah, the robots are the only ones <laughs> not under quarantine. That's a good point. Hmm. You know, the, the hotel we stayed at in San Diego, Gavin, when we mm-hmm. were on site and I had a little robot that would go up the elevator and carry food to your room. Yep. It started, man. The robot started. Well, as long as you only touch the food and not the robot, because stuff can live on metal surfaces for. <laughs> oh, you just ruined it, man. Well, I was just going to say, the robot. Yeah, they're going to be you know, delivering stuff. Just got to make sure what you touch. But uh, anyway, back to reality here. Uh, <sighs> Back well, to reality. So, Oops, there goes what's new in Command Box Five? It looks like you got a screencast series coming out. Oh, way. I did. So I sat down like Friday and recorded ten screencasts, just all in a row, boom, boom, boom. Um, just to give you a little uh, little sneak peek of what the kind of things that I'll be covering. I've got uh, talking about Git access tokens, Lucy extension management. Uh, tuning your servers, file globbing, some new commands, uh, better examples of a Fusion Reactor from the CLI, even demoing some of the Lucy Light stuff. So I recorded a whole series of uh, screencasts, and I've got them all set up and published. Or they're, they're all set up and set to auto-publish. So we're going to get a, a new uh, screencast twice a week uh, for the entirety of the next month. So Tuesday and Thursday basically for the rest of the month of April, starting today, um, there'll be a screencast that drops and you'll see the tweets come out. So I'll keep your eye on that space. The one today is really kind of just an overview. One of uh, here's all the big changes in, uh, in Command Box 5. So I'm just talking about all the libraries that updated. I show some tricks to tell what version of Lucy you're on. So it's kind of the kickoff and there'll be uh, a new one in two days and then the week after that as well. Cool, cool. So we'll share the link there. And yeah. uh but yeah, subscribe and if you guys are subscribed to the podcast, you should see these ones flying out as well. So speaking of command box screencasts, we have uh Matthew mm-hmm. Clemente's been working hard. He's actually doing a live stream, it seems like it's every week at eight thirty PM uh Eastern uh on a on a Wednesday, and he's been doing that the last four weeks, I think. So he's done four of them and a couple of screencasts as well. So um, he's also been finding bugs too. <laughs> he's well, he's sent me like a stream of pull requests, which is great. He found like typos in my code. You know, I had arguments mistyped, and so I'm like, send them over. I can merge these all day long. Yeah, well, that's that's a good thing, I guess. Get them fixed, get them early. But um, yeah. So he's got four of those and two screencasts up on his uh, YouTube channel. But subscribe, and then that way you'll get notified when he goes live and. Uh, you know, you can catch up on all this great content there too. So thanks Matt for, for sharing those and we're definitely interested in seeing what else you got coming out. So he's probably getting ready for his, uh, into the box session. Cause he's doing some command box goodness, right? 
Probably. I'm busy counting my commits. Well, Brad's doing his counting. I'll tell you about the next thing. Okay, go ahead. I just wanted to point out, I was was looking at this yesterday. There's been 20 commits to command box since I bumped the the 501 release. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think nine of them are someone other than me. So half of the commits in command box so far for the next version have all been pull requests from other people, which I think is just awesome. Yeah, I'm getting lazy. I don't even have to do any work. I just sit there and merge pull requests all day long. The community does the work for me. I got John Burquest. I've got Matthew Clemente. Um, I've got uh, Luis in here sending me stuff. This is living the dream. <laughs> yeah, it's nice when the community stuff's really kicking together, and like you say, it's you know it's evolving, and it's based on their their needs too so you always get the, the good improvements too so yeah cool and i see charlie uh shared matt's youtube channel as well in the chat so thanks for that hey youtube let charlie share a link we made, oh, him, a right. we made, him, a, we made him a moderator yep <laughs> charlie's finally got him. privileges yay got the power <laughs> so uh next power on the list uh, we have a content box CMS customer experience server that we put out. Ooh. So uh, content box is now eight years old. I can't believe it's been around that long, but that's our um, open source content management system built on Coldbox. Um, it's basically a couple of Coldbox modules inside of uh, Coldbox that make content box work. And we're trying to ramp up and really get moving on our next set of development. We've been a little busy with all these client projects lately, to be honest, and uh, we're trying to get back in and, and make some big improvements in Content Box. So we want to know, you know, what you like, what you think we could improve, etc. So um, we have a, a blog post out about that, uh, and there's a, a link to a Google form so we can get some information. You know, Content Box was originally going to be called Blogbox. I always like that name, Blogbox. Blogbox. How fast can you say it? <laughs> Well, there's so many other content box things out now. It's kind of sad. I don't know if there's blog boxes out there as well or not, but I, I, know, I know the the hashtag for content boxes fought after pretty badly. Yeah, again, on Twitter, there's a lot of content box stuff. There's some like Bitcoin mining software, I think. There's there's a handful of things that use the word content box. We actually have it trademarked, but within like the market of blogging software. So, you know. Other people have other things called content box that are like completely unrelated to blogging. So, yeah. Okay. Now we have a upcoming Adobe webinar, um, April 9th. Uh, Alicia is going to be talking about the journey through the Adobe Cold Fusion performance monitoring tool. So, if you guys want to register for that, there's a, a link to go register. Uh, we'll share that. Um, but basically it's all demos. So if you guys haven't seen the performance monitoring tool, maybe you guys are using fusion reactor and want to see what Adobe has to offer, then, uh, definitely go check that out. Um, said it'd be a good session and, you know, no slides start to finish all demos. So you should be able to get in there and, you know, ask some questions if you got them as well. So. Mm. And Charlie just answered a question I had asked last week in the chat. Uh, I had asked if the performance monitoring tool, maybe you had asked, somebody had asked if it was only for enterprise and Charlie says the answer is no. So that's, that's good. <laughs> John Farrar just said, ah, I can see through Brad's face. He must've had a green screen moment. <laughs> the, the parts of my face that are greasy and reflective get confused with the bright parts of my green screen. So I'm slightly translucent today, depending on how I turn. Yeah. Okay. And in case you missed it, um, Alicia had a 
a presentation on the microservices architecture on the 25th. Uh, we can't find the recording for that yet, so hopefully they'll be releasing that shortly. Um, but yeah, so if anybody knows it, please share it and uh, tag CFML and ColdFusion so we can find that and share that with everybody too. So um, I didn't attend that one, but um, I know that she presented it previously and it got a lot of have uh, you, good Have response. you reached out to Alicia to ask her about it? Nope, I did not have time today to do that. So maybe we'll do that because I know Rashif gave one the previous week and I haven't seen the recording for that yet either. I'm asking her right now. Um, also, last week we had a Fusion Reactor webinar where Brad was actually on there as a special guest. So you were pretty busy last Tuesday, or was that was Wednesday. Anyway, but, yeah, um, yeah, it was the day after our, our uh, modernizer died. Yep, and we have the link for that one right here. So that was actually um, streamed live on YouTube, and the link is still live, so you can go back and watch the replay. So sharing that right now. Um, yeah, that was great. Mikey and Charlie went through all the long complicated manual ways to install fusion reactor and then i showed how to do it in like one command <laughs> yeah one of our clients said i am so glad we use fusion reactor with command blocks because <laughs> after seeing that video it was so painful i'm just so glad that you guys built that module <laughs> and it is it's i used to use it with previous clients and everything the old-fashioned way and it was just so so tedious uh, i just yeah you know people say well, what what do we do before command box it's like life was so different but even all these little things we're building i just can't imagine life without them you know so that's our goal oh. get you hooked and then oh charlie said his was a one-line docker run command so he's <laughs> with, taking a little with offense a, with a multi-line said command that i bet nobody could actually explain what the regular expression does <laughs> <laughs> we're a little biased that's okay we, we admit it <laughs> you know i like said i built i built the set into command box most people don't know but said stands for stream editor random fact of the day <laughs> most people don't even know what said does it's it's a big ugly thing in a bash script they just ignore us but that's what said is to most people yep okay. okay next up on our list we had another webinar last week we actually had the cb elastic search for michael Bourne. Mm -hmm. so we have the recording up on our vimeo page but we also have uh the more webinars on our webinar page autosolutions.com so if you've missed the last few we'll be doing one a month this year so if you guys uh did miss any you can go grab them right there but i'm sharing the link in the chat right now so um i heard it went really well um so definitely a good session if you guys are using some you know search in your sql you probably want to look at using cb elastic search it's a great tool and you can really power up your apps pretty simply too so good to know and then uh, just a reminder too the state of the cf union 2020 survey is out and out there and we're trying to get more people to fill it out last time i heard it was just under 400 people had filled it out um but we need more there's more than 400 there's like 3400 in the slack channel so yeah we know you guys are out there where are you come take this survey yep so if you know someone that hides from social media and uh, uh the podcasts and blogs and everything please share it with them uh email your friends and make sure that they fill the survey out so we want to know what's what's doing well and what we need to work on and just seeing these trends over time is going to be a, a big big deal so i know brad looks at it all the time to figure out what he wants to do I do look at it all the time. I print it out and just stick it on my wall and I stare at it during the day. Okay. So next up is conferences. So next up is a list of cancellations. Yep. So Adobe CF Summit 2020 or East 2020 was canceled. 
and the post-conference specialist certification was uh, canceled, as well as our pre-conference build secure MVC Cold Fusion applications uh, training. Um, Into the Box 2020, as we mentioned, is uh, now a virtual online conference. It's going to be taking place on the same two days, um, so May 7th and May 8th. Thursday, Friday, and we're, sessions will be streamed live and recorded so attendees can watch all of them later as well. Um, the keynotes will be streamed live for free, and the tickets are $1.99, so we discounted them heavily since a lot of the costs are you know, lower that we're not having to worry about the venue, etc. So that's uh, cheaper than our, uh, our package for video as well as last year. So we're trying to make it accessible and get as many people as we can there. So intothebox.org has tickets available now. And uh, we're going to try and work on what we can to make it interactive for attendees as well, because networking is a big part of the conferences. And I'm going to really miss that this year. I know we have a lot of fun getting together with the Autist team and the community. So we'll just have to have some open Zoom rooms for chit chat while we have lunch and stuff like that. But we'll, we'll see what we can do to, to make them interactive. Um, the previous Into the Box videos are on sale too, so if you guys didn't attend 2018 or 2019s, we have them for a package $9.99 per year. So if you want to buy them, uh, they're available on Vimeo. Um, so we have ITB 2019 and Into the Box 2018 as the on-demand package name, and you guys can grab them, like I said, $9.99 for the whole conference. It's a pretty good deal, and there's a lot of great content there, and some of those same uh, conference talks are, you know, people still give at conferences, uh, CF Summit, et cetera, as well. So uh, good quality content. Don't miss out there. Can't believe that's already going to be one month away, so we're getting pretty close to it now. Now, I know it did have a question inside the, the chat about workshops. So uh, workshops have been refunded and scheduled at later times to get everybody the opportunity to attend one or more workshops. Um, we're basically just working to get the, um, yeah, basically all of the, all the conference sessions lined up, set up. A couple of the speakers that weren't able to make it because of travel, et cetera, now we're reaching out to. So we're going to have some updates to the schedule. But once all that is taken care of and the, the conference is done, then we'll be working on scheduling the workshop. So we'll, we'll send out um, times and have people sign up and register for the, uh, for the workshops. So there will be a little bit after the conference. We're not sure exactly when. But we're hoping to give everybody an opportunity to do one or more workshops because um, that's obviously the big complaint is when people go to these conferences, they want to do more than one workshop. That's why we went to two days. But now it's online, so we can do as many as you want. So, so yeah, so we're still planning on offering the same workshops. Um, we've got to check with the, the, you know, the workshop trainer and get something scheduled. So we'll find out and we'll let you know as soon as we have that. Uh, Scott just said he bought all of the ITB videos and he's watched probably 80% of them already. John, uh, John asked, are the tra workshop trainings going to be live online or in person? Um, well, obviously we can't do anything in person in person, but they'll be, you know, live streamed. And then um, once everything recovers and we're able to travel again and all that, we'll, you know, offer those as as possible as well so um, we'll be doing public training so anyone can sign up but if your company would like to do um, um, basically you know just for their company something specific just for them we can do that as well so let us know we're flexible with that but we are going to offer some workshops in a sort of a public scheduled setup as well charlie has a cool link to uh, some redgate uh 
webinars or trainings. Just look pretty cool. Oh, really? I'm a big fan of Redgate. If you do anything with SQL Server, Microsoft SQL Server, uh, Redgate's tooling is hecka expensive, but it's really, really good. Um, their SQL compare and data compare is like bread and butter for a, a SQL Server DBA. Um, and even their uh, SQL source control product is pretty cool. In fact, I have someone I'm going to send this link to right now. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's pretty cool. So we're going to we'll add that to the list for everybody else uh, watching um, a three-day online conference. Pretty nice. I, I love the Redgate tools. As long as you can afford the $8 billion price tag, they're uh, they're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're actually really good. They're great. Uh, they just like to charge money for it. Yep. Unfortunately, uh, sometimes you got to get what you know you get what you pay for and i've heard nothing but great things about their stuff too so okay so another conference we just got an uh, announcement so DockerCon live is going to be may 28th uh just a one-day conference it's going digital with the cube which i'm not sure what that is but they've just the had cube? a one-day conference that the it's going to be free and completely online You'll hear from speakers with live interviews with the Cube. I think they're a podcast, to be honest. But you hang I've out with the Docker experts the in the live hallway track and watch recorded sessions while chatting live with the speakers. Usually, so, when you, when you hear Cube in relation to Docker, it's spelled with a K and it, it stands for Q Kubernetes. But this is spelled with a C. So, yep. The Cube dot net. Where's yep. their about page? What is this? Some kind of yeah, it's just a podcast. Yeah, so it sounds like what they're doing, um, they're they're pre-recording all their actual sessions, but they're chatting live with you, and they'll be doing uh, three simultaneous streaming channels, so you can jump between them, and, you know, basically experience Docker your way, so. Yeah, the Cube's just a giant, like, technology podcast. Holy cow. I'm looking at the images on their About page, and their studio looks like a freaking television studio, dude. <laughs> we need this. We need This needs to be our goal right here. This, like, massive studio full of, <clears throat> hundreds of thousands of dollars of expensive cameras and lights. That's how modernizer die needs to be. Well, we might need to up our budget goals. Then. Yeah, get that Patreon page <laughs> going, people. Daddy needs toys. Yeah, because we can't even afford uh, <laughs> the lights that don't make you translucent right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, CF Summit West and CF Camp at, at this time are still to be announced. We're still waiting, obviously, with the outbreak. Um, once medically able to do so again we'll be able to find out more about that um we were heard to uh yeah we were heard basically heard that uh adobe should be doing a developer week uh charlie's in the chat if he knows any date and times but i haven't heard anything publicly announced yet okay right. yeah i'm afraid those uh cf camp and cf summit west are going to get to a point where once the country opens back up it's going to be effectively too late to you know, to get it planned with, because normally, you know, conferences are advertising months ahead of time. So interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I know that a lot of them are <clears> going <throat> to look to just do some type of online variation, um, but it's just not the same. But then again, uh, everyone's doing the that. Same. There's quite a few uh, JavaScript ones popping up here and there. Uh, Frontier Masters is, you know, known for their stuff as well and a couple other ones are popping up so plenty out there if you guys have any good ones too let us know and we'll share them on the podcast as well okay well, we're up to blogs tweets and videos of the week so we have quite a few here uh, surprisingly um 
I was actually thought there'd be more, and then it just kept going. So we had a bit of a quiet couple of days, but um, Ben Adel is definitely keeping us busy. So the first one from Ben, uh, exploring the power of multiple curses and selected, the selections in Sublime Text 3. So uh, he's still using Sublime Text. We keep talking about VS Code, and he says he might change one day, but he still loves it. Well, you know, and, it's funny. If you look at the, the first comment he left, he has this big disclaimer that says, to be clear, I'm not intending to say Sublime Text is the best editor because, you know, you, you can't mention an IDE without, you know, like 50 like recommendations or like, oh, you got to try XYZ. So, yeah, he, he basically said he assumes most editors have functionality like this. Here's a demo of how it works in Sublime. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's the thing. The first thing someone said on Twitter when he posted about it was VS Code does this too. But I thought it'd be kind of interesting sure. that, uh, yeah, like I've used it a little bit in VS Code and in Sublime Text as well. But he went through a big selection of, you know, a functionality. So I'm actually curious to see if we could do something similar in VS Code. So I'm going to have to play with it. And to be honest, I don't use them very often. I mean, unless I've got a really long piece of JSON that I'm working with or something. But what, you mean the multiple cursor? Yeah, I use it sometimes, but, you know, not as much as some people. And and I should probably get better. So I'm going to go back and see if VS Code can do this. I've never gotten into it, but every time I see somebody do it, I'm like, crap, I need to figure out how to do that. <laughs> Yeah, it's easy to do, but I'm always worried that I'm going to mess it up and then make a mess of everything at the same time. But yeah. I mean, for some stuff, it's okay. But I'm like, well, I know how to do the way I'm doing. And like I say, if it's a really big amount of changes, then that's different. So, but yeah, definitely work with JSON and big structs and everything. I, I definitely see the, the the positives in it. So, but that was a, a pretty cool post. And then uh, Fusion Reactor had a blog post and they talked about the five things you should check every day to ensure your application health. Number four will astound you. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, with that post. Right. Um, Here, here's the too long, didn't read. Setup crash protection. Check daily, weekly, monthly reports. The reports are actually pretty good. They send you. Review historical archive metrics. Recognize performance hotspots from the relations tab. That's a good, that's a good idea. See resource details quickly to gauge the JVM health. You know, I think most people send these daily, weekly, monthly report emails into like their trash can or they just mark them red or something. But there's actually a lot of really good statistics in the weekly emails that Fusion Reactor sends you. Um, if you stop and look at them, you'll be like, wow, it, it captures a lot of data in there. Yeah, that's the thing. If you get a lot of data all the time, people just assume everything's fine and, you know, that's where the, the email notifications for like was it crash protection, et cetera, those things are definitely <coughs> important. Um, but yeah, so that's actually before they even list the five, the first thing is like Scott said, you gotta install it, but then uh, also set up that email notification. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise it's gonna be a lot harder, but those are one-off things. And then every, every day you do those five other things, but um, definitely a good little resource there. So another one was a tweet from Nerd Vision, and I just heard that name for the first time the other day. So I was wondering if anybody else knows anything well, about I it. I was the one talking about it. Wow. That's... Yeah, because I saw a tweet that they said, find bugs faster in Adobe Cold Fusion, free, simple, collaborative debugging Nerd Vision. And I was like, what? You know who that is, right? <laughs> no. It's the Fusion Reactor guys. That's integral. Oh. Nerd Vision is their new product that they were releasing oh. at DevNexus this year. Um, oh, that's where I heard it. Okay, sorry. They <laughs> they didn't have support for Cold Fusion, however, yet. It was on their roadmap. So I'm curious if they've added that. Yeah, Charlie says no, but the fact that they're tweeting about it makes me 
wonder. I mean, I guess I know they're working on it. They support like Python, Node, and Java, uh, I believe, right now. Yeah. Well, I knew I'd heard the name somewhere, but I couldn't remember where. Sorry, I should listen to my yeah, podcast. Yeah. So, Nerd Vision um, is is made by the same guys that make Fusion Reactor. Integral is the you know the name of the company. We all just call them Fusion Reactor. Um, it's kind of like if you took the production debugger aspect of Fusion Reactor Ultimate and you ripped out just that functionality so it wasn't the full APM, but it's still like a Java agent kind of thing, you know, you add on to your JVM args. But instead of being a little local thing, it's all pushed to like a, a, a cloud kind of concept where you go to a, you know, a website and it pushes all your debugging information out. So everyone on your team can all have this little, you know, Java agent or I mean for Python and Node, it works a bit differently, but it's still you know, plugs into the, the core engine. Um, and you can basically do kind of like event snapshots, sort of debugging of your application. Uh, and it even ties it into your local source code. Uh, but they, they did it in a really cool way where you don't have to send your source code out to their site. It, it ties it all together so it's safe and secure. But um, yeah, I mean, I've been looking forward to the, the cool fusion support coming on this. So I think it's going to be pretty cool. And um, one of the coolest things is there's a free tier. Uh, people complain a lot about Fusion Reactor. We're like, oh, we want a free version, right? You know, but if they did that, nobody would ever pay for anything. Uh, the Nerd Vision actually has a free tier, and it's pretty cheap uh, pricing-wise. So I think that'll probably have a, a lot lower barrier to entry to get people playing with it. Anyway, I don't know. I'm pretty excited about Nerd Vision. And yeah, I was talking about it when I came back from DevNexus. I just haven't been able to play with it yet uh, in Cold Fusion because that's still kind of on the roadmap. But and I'm like, I'm looking through their site right now, trying to see if. Uh, if they have any announcements regarding cold fusion. Yeah, I qu looked quickly, I didn't see anything. I just saw the Java, Python, et cetera, and I was like, hmm. So that's what I thought I would share. So interesting. I will, uh, I'll holler at Mikey and ask him if this is supported yet or if it was just a marketing team getting excited. <laughs> yep. Okay, so Benadel also had another blog post about putting debug comments in your SQL statements to make Fusion Reactor queries tracing more effective. And so we said for years he's been advocating this about putting debug statements in, and he's mentioned, uh, you know, I've seen it over the years too. And so it was kind of interesting to see that, you know, they show up in Fusion Reactor and everything as well, which you kind of assume. But let's just have a quick look here. So interesting that. Yeah, he basically puts this debug in. It's just a comment. And then in Fusion Reactor itself, you'll see it pop up right there. So he tells, basically, he gives it some idea of where the, the code is while it's running the, the query itself. So, you know, put the service and the, the function so he can sort of trace and everything. I thought it was an interesting approach, but um, yeah, just kind of, you know, something I've never done. I've never seen anyone do it either, but I mean, it would be pretty useful to figure out where the heck this query is running. <clears throat> so um that's kind of nice but he did mention that with orms um like in other languages whatever they they sometimes offer the ability to do that as well so i'm curious if there's an easy way to do that with orm as well passing some type of debug statement or, or whatnot as well but it's pretty cool if you guys are having trouble tracing something down you want to know where that sql's running from you know maybe add a debug comment so it's pretty cool so I just heard back from Mikey. I'm messaging him right now. Um, he said that he thinks they released Adobe Cold Fusion support yesterday for NerdVision, but not Lucy Server yet. So hot off the presses, folks. Super hot. It's good to have a direct line to the, the, the right people. 
<laughs> so we had another blog post from uh, Ben about deleting data from a table using an inner join delete query in MySQL. So um, this was a, a pretty good one. I actually did this last week, and uh, I don't know if I read the blog post first or read it right after, but I was actually doing the same thing. I was doing a bunch of, uh, you know, cleanup, and it, sometimes your queries get kind of crazy um, if you don't use the inner join when doing an update or a delete. And so it's, he works through it, sort of tells you how to, you know, sort of go from one to the other. But he has a pretty good example there of when you might want to use it, et cetera. So... Uh, again, another useful blog post there. And it's really got like a whole SQL book that you could probably just copy paste from uh, his blog post here. <laughs> Doing a lot of work with the SQL lately. So. All right. The official word on the Cold Fusion support for NerdVision is it just came out yesterday. Chill your boots. <laughs> so I have a feeling, <laughs> I have a feeling there'll be more information coming out soon. The, uh, the tweet was probably a, a teaser, but there you go. Pretty cool. Okay, we also uh, we shared the blog post from Lucy announcing those 5.3.5 and the 5.3.4 that we mentioned earlier. Uh, we also had a, a blog from Pete Freitag. So it's kind of a blog and a request here. So talking about six ways to stay connected with other CFML developers. So he talked about the CFML Slack channel. You should also add the box team Slack channel because we've got our very own one for Audis products. So we get yep. one little teeny tiny channel at the CFML Slack channel. And if you <laughs> sneeze, all the messages disappear because uh, you know there's only 10,000 <laughs> 10, yeah. comments before they all disappear. So we have our own box team channel. Um, we should have them add that there. But he did mention our podcast, the CFLI podcast, CFML news email, which is what the newsletter he publishes, uh, the Adobe Cold Fusion community portal, uh, Cold Fusion bloggers is another uh, way to find out some of the stuff. Um, yeah, so it's pretty good information. Obviously, uh, we try and give you all the all the people, um, all the blogs and videos coming out and whatever. But there's a lot of people on on Twitter too. Um, CFML and Cold Fusion are the hashtags most people follow there. Um, so definitely recommend doing that as well. But yeah, for those of you that aren't familiar with some of these, these are great resources. So thanks, uh, I Pete. just messaged Pete, asked him to add the box team Slack. Look at this. It's like live coding or live <laughs> messaging. <laughs> yep. Okay. And so Ben Adele had another one uh, about array <clears throat> sort. So I think you're talking about this. Hey, look at that. Oh, one with Matt Gifford. <laughs> wow. Old photo. Okay, so this one oh, wow. he was talking about array sort operator must return int size result in CFML. This is basically a, a follow up to his post last week. Yeah, so he does a subtraction uh, ordering. So usually he takes something and subtracts it from the other and then returns it. If it's negative, you sort it one way. If it's positive, you sort it the other way. If it's zero, then it's you know the same. And so he always just did negative subtraction and. I guess he was doing milliseconds, and then with a really old post, then it makes a really big number. And yeah, I think he actually updated the title of the post because I'm the one who pointed out to him, like why it was actually airing. Because what what you typically see in JavaScript is if you're just sorting numbers, your sort compar comparator. It's hard to say. Callback will just you know subtract them, like you said, and you either get a negative number, a positive number, or a zero. And generally speaking, that always works. Yeah. Um, and the docs for Cold Fusion, both Adobe and Lucy, technically say you're supposed to send back negative one, zero, or one. But the reality is any negative integer or positive integer will pretty much also work. 
But yeah, you know, Ben was using these like epoch timestamps, which were like in the billions or trillions as far as like, you know, the number of digits in it. Um, and then, you know, behind the scenes, both Adobe and Lucy had the same problem where they try to cast it into a, a strict integer at the Java level and then it blows up. So yeah. the workaround was just to pass an explicit one or negative one. Um, but I had, I had honestly never run into this, but it was a nice little catch. I actually put in a ticket for Adobe and for Lucy, both uh, for them to support, you know, a double or some kind of larger, you know, format just so this case, well, technically, if his code was incorrect, it's like, well, it would have been nice if it worked. I have a feeling JavaScript probably has some looser stuff in the background that allows it to work as well. Yeah, that was a good little catch on Ben's part. Yep, and we have another one from Ben, another ancient picture here. Um, but he's now using UTF-8 MB4 to enable emoji in his comments. And this one hits hard for us because we've been fighting this forge box issue with emojis for a while. <laughs> but something in here, which is interesting, is obviously using that, that type. But in his insert, he actually sets the name and the collation inside right before he does this insert brad so i'm like because i know we've been we've been changing the types and the migrating our driver, tables yeah. and messing with drivers and we keep having these weird issues but um maybe we have to you know sit in line for the version of mysql we have or something but yeah so now eric and eric's been like we need emoji support i can't live without emojis and, and, <laughs> and luis is the same way so um a good little a good little post there from Ben on that too. So if you're, you're, if you want, you can actually use emojis in his comments now on his blog, which is important to a lot of people. Okay. So next we uh, have one from the one from Rex Sheaf about the normal GUI based installers. So as we mentioned before, please give them your feedback. If you have any feedback to give there. We also have the video tweet from Matthew Clemente on his uh, latest um, command box video. So we've also talked about that earlier. And this one I thought was an interesting take. So another one by Ben Nadell, but this one's a more of a, an opinion here. Tag islands and CF script based tags bring perfection to ColdFusion and Lucy CFML 5.3.4. Yeah, that was funny. You know, the Tag Islands, oops, yeah, that was funny. The Tag Islands came out a little while ago. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I remember Gert first, like, introducing those years ago, probably, and I forget what version they, the ticket was actually completed in. Um, you know, I was never a super big fan of it because most of the use cases of putting tags in script felt dirty, and if I really wanted to do that, I would just include a, a CFM file. And typically with an MVC framework, you never run across those scenarios. The, the few exceptions being, you know, like the CF query tag or something in a service. Um, but Ben has some pretty kind of compelling use cases of it um, where he has just, you know, regular old script code and just slams these nice little snippets of tags in the middle of it, um, which which obviously are very readable for, you know, long-time ColdFusion developers. And in, and in many cases, you know, there's a good argument to be made that, you know, a CF query tag is just more readable sometimes in tags than script. But yeah. And he says he thinks it was released in 5.3.1 Tag Islands. Mm, I know that sounds about right. Yeah. And so, and I like this comment here. To be clear, I'm not saying that CFML, Lucy CFML is flawless, <laughs> but um, he's basically saying now with the, you know, with 
loops on the CF base script base syntax and stuff and tag islands. These CF script feels well perfect. But yeah, you yeah. just made some good points about a lot of the things that we you know used to you know people writing scripts like oh I have to go over here or do this with a tag or uh, just some other little things like script was missing certain functionality and everything. But now yeah, like basically says with these two things, it's like he just dropped the last Infinity Stone into his personal Infinity Gauntlet. So. <laughs> Uh, so, John Farrer mentioned that Lucy doesn't support stored procs. That's not correct. You can use the CF stored proc tag in script and Lucy, and it works fine. What Lucy doesn't support is the little, like, kind of crummy Cold Fusion 9 era CFC placeholder, like the new query. Um, they support that one, but they never implemented the little new stored proc equivalent. Mm. Um, if you dig around on the internet, you'll find someone that made a CFC that basically does the same thing and you can drop it in and use it. Um, I never really used the CFC wrappers, so I never cared about it. Um, I ran into it once when converting a code base and used it in a few places. Um, I always just use the tag and script syntax for Lucy. So it's just stored proc and then the attributes just like you with the CF stored proc tag. But if you prefer the tag based version of stored proc, so there you go, tag and script and, and you can just use them like you're used to. Cool, cool. So, yeah, definitely like that blog post. I read through it, and I know that you mentioned it's practically limitless how many tags, CF script tag, uh, basically inception you can have. Right? Did someone actually test that? Because I think we should test it. <laughs> the tag and script. Um, Misha said he tested it, and somebody else might have tested it. However, I have already found a parsing issue with tags and script. Uh, I forget what it is. I know I logged a ticket for it. It's in the Lucy bug tracker. Um, but other than that, it seems to work pretty good. Yeah, I was wondering how many levels deep can we get it before it blows up or we blow up. So, but anyway, so last blog post of the week here, Zach Spitzer uh, announced the new function, inspect templates in Lucy 5.3.6. So this one's uh, pretty interesting. For those of you who have um, looked at the Lucy settings, there's options for when you're checking your files to have inspect templates set to never, never, which is best performance or, um, you know, check once, which is good performance, etc. And, you know, these days with Docker, most people don't change their files. It's not a big deal. But if you have an older server that you're either working in production on or you're pushing code, um, you know, those settings can really make a big difference. So um, this inspect templates allows you basically to um, run that in your code somewhere and then it flags to say, hey, I want you to recompile all the code in the cache, do it again. Uh, and so if you have some type of deploy process or whatever and you want to make sure everything's compiled, you could hit a file that had that inspect templates. It could flag it, say, oh, you know, redo the cache that happened to go log into Lucy admin and, you know, clear the template cache. So it's a nice little feature. So he was talking about that, which is pretty cool. So I know that one's, that one definitely bit me in the past where I'm changing files and, you know, like things aren't working like I thought. I'm like, oh, they're cached. That's why. Okay. So next we have find a job section. So, um, getcfmailjobs.com um, still has 18 listings available right now from 17 uh, companies across 15 locations in five countries. We have three this week. So we have a full-time Cold Fusion developer in Oklahoma City. Um, and we have a full-time senior Cold Fusion developer in Washington, D.C. And we have a full-time Cold Fusion developer in Oakland, California. So three different jobs available there. And there's, like I said, 18 listed currently on the Get CFML Jobs website. Uh, 
And then we actually had another one that was posted on Twitter from um, Faraday, F-A-R-R-E-D-E-H, uh, an immediate six-month Cold Fusion developer in uh, Reston, Virginia, must have strong SQL storage procedure skills on site, but will be remote until COVID-19 is clear, I obviously. I that one. So, so yeah, if you guys are looking for something, that might be a, a good thing. So if you want to email them, the emails and the Twitter, and we'll share that in the show notes there. So, so there we are for jobs. If anyone has anything available, uh, please let us know and we can add it to the list. All right. Forge Box module of the week, 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 week. Yeah. What do you got? So we have one, um, the CF barcode for J. So this is a wraparound barbecue, which is a Java barcode printing library. And didn't you say Travis Peters just released this one just recently? Yeah, I was so. helping like last night get the uh, the box.json all figured out so it installed correctly. Yeah, so um, basically returns an image, um, you know, so you can basically generate it um got different different types you can do code 128 etc um and basically with wirebox you get instance of it and it's got a couple of nice little dsl helpers for you so looks like a pretty straightforward library um but yeah i've messed with barcodes before um hopefully this one works better than the ones that we had <laughs> we had all sorts of uh <laughs> thing yeah and um Scott asks if it does hot dogs too, if it's wrapping no, around barbecue. Only barbecue. Oh, well, barcode 4J. Hmm, interesting. So, yeah, so that's our module of the week. So, it's the latest one on Forgebox today. Uh, so, cool. Thanks for sharing, Travis. Um, and Scott asks if it does QR codes. I don't know, actually. Someone should look that up and tell us in the chat so we can let you guys know. Okay, so our VS Code hints, tips, and tricks of the week. This one is actually uh, one that um, George Murphy recommended. And so this is not actually just an extension. It's a whole process. So the VS Code remote development um, setup allows you to use containers, remote machines, or Windows subsystem for Linux as a full-featured development environment. Um, so the cool thing is it doesn't have to have any source code on your machine to get these benefits. And so there's a couple of different extensions or whatever that you install. Um, and then basically your local code, VS Code here, has the UI, the extension. And then it basically connects into a remote OS, which could be a container or another so machine. So the remote OS is something that you're in charge of spinning up and configuring? Yeah, I mean, a lot of these so, uh, systems so now... So instead of opening up like a remote desktop window onto a VM, you would just open up VS Code and you would have everything you needed inside of VS Code, your terminals, your your source code, but it would all just be as though you were running VS Code on the remote machine then? Yeah, I mean, it, it's... That's a really kind of a cool idea, like, geez. Yeah, I mean, curious. it's for those people that need all those libraries installed, all the tools and everything to run. Instead of having to install all that, you just basically have VS Code point to one. I mean, it could yeah. be... If you're running Mac, you know, you need to have a Mac for certain things. People can basically, I assume you know, it runs over a VPN. Because, like, I, I, we have clients that I have to, in order to, you know, it's always government, right? 
I have to connect to a VPN, which is ridiculous. And then I have to like RDP into remote, you know, VM. And then I have to open up my editor inside of that VM through the stupid RDP window. And then I can develop. It'd be kind of interesting if I could just connect to the VPN and open up VS code locally and have it just be editing what was remote. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is people talk about, you know, containers nice way to you know have to worry about other dependencies and everything and same thing remotely like you know sometimes you need certain libraries or certain versions of jres or other stuff and this way you don't need to worry about it and i mean the the remote development pack basically includes ssh tools the containers and the wsl and they've got some nice tutorials to get you up and running with it quickly as well so i've used some of this for just you know sshing into another machine just to check stuff on a dev server and whatnot and but yeah, the whole idea of just having basically a container that you can say here, just use this container for your development process. And now all the stuff they need is in there. They don't need to worry about configuring CF format and linters and all the, you know, NPM tools you need for this or that. It's just already there. And you just basically That's spin really it cool. up and connect it. And then when you you're know, done, just when I think like, what could they possibly think of next for an IDE? You know, don't IDEs do everything we could ever think of? And somebody comes up with something like this, I'm like, that's really clever. Why didn't I think of that? I could be a millionaire right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because right now I know like a lot of people that we work with, they have all those AWS workstations. So from home, they RDP mm -hmm. into their machine and I have to help them install all the stuff they need. And, you know, they have to get it all set up. And if they're smart, they'll free, take a snapshot. Right? It's all part of VS Code right now. It's no, I mean, you install a couple of Who extensions. Pays for all this stuff? Microsoft. <laughs> They own NPM now, they own GitHub, <laughs> they're taking well, over the world. I mean, that, that's the benefit, I guess, of a big company, you know, running software like this is they, you know, they can throw resources at building like amazing stuff that, you know, a single person wouldn't be able just to do for free. Um, and yeah. But I love how they've kept VS Code extensible, though. You yeah. know, like VS Code has all this amazing stuff, but it's still not a closed box by any stretch of the imagination. It still feels very open source and extensible but has all this free stuff it's yeah i don't know i've, I've been in, vaguely impressed with microsoft as of late just as far as them managing to not completely seem to screw up anything in regards to you know github and so far npm and see yeah, how that I mean, plays out so well, i mean they have microsoft's really changed a lot and i listened to scott hanselman's uh you know Hanselman minutes um and for a long time they've been doing things very differently and if you've actually gone and looked at you know looked at what they've done uh, scott was employed i mean and you know works for microsoft he runs mac at home you know <laughs> like and he's done so mm -hmm. forever and he's got all sorts of different stuff and and they work from home and they're you know they're doing a lot of great things and mm -hmm. and one of his episodes talked about you know what changed at microsoft and him and uh, a couple other people came on at the same time and they were all basically like well if we come on, this is the way we're doing it. And they said, yeah. we want you to. And it's been, you know, the last 15 years has been a different Microsoft. But only developers, lately have people really caught developers, up. Developers, developers. That is pretty good. I mean, yeah, the, Charlie had a good point. You know, everybody wants stuff for free. So apparently, even if I invented it, I wouldn't become a millionaire because nobody would pay for it. And that's what's tricky. Um, you know, Adobe's... Um, you know, positioned like CF Builder as, as a paid IDE, but it's really hard to compete um, with some of the amazing, you know, free IDEs. Even, you know, Sublime was paid, but it's like VS Code comes out and it's, it's like free and people just flock to it. So it's really hard sometimes to have a product like that that you just, you know, sell inherently. So 
an interesting interesting uh, day and age you know yeah i mean it's really a side effect of them i mean because microsoft has so many developers that need to do their job to make their job easier they give them the tools to make the job easier and they just say oh everybody else yeah. can use it too you know and i mean ordis does the same thing just on a much smaller scale you know <laughs> uh yeah like you know we, <laughs> we yeah and we make money on the, on the ecosystem and on consulting and on things like that and then we give away a lot of development hours for free um it's just, you know, VS Code, you look at, like, the amount of man hours that go into all the functionality. It's, you know, orders of magnitude more impressive, the the scope of the of the project. But, you know, Microsoft has orders of magnitude more money to, yeah. you know, to deal with. So it, I think, ideally, it works out well for everyone. Yeah, and Charlie, just <laughs> say CF Builder is free, albeit with more features if you pay for it. He says, still, yeah, that is a, that is a very good point. And I've used the free version of CF builder for years. So you have a little, you know, pop up when you start it. And then after that you have a, a significant amount of functionality. I actually don't even know what features I'm not getting because whatever they are, I've never used them. Yeah. So. I know that some of the security analysis tools and stuff, I believe requires you to have a server with a license, but some I don't know if builder has it anyway, but occasionally I'll fat finger a shortcut key in CF builder and it'll pop up and say this feature is not available in the, in the free version. And I don't even know what the shortcut was I hit. And I don't even know what feature I was trying to invoke. I just kind of shrug and go, Oh, whoops, that was the wrong shortcut. And I move on with my day. Uh, yeah. But yes, sure. That is a good point to see if builder is a free version. Um, yeah. And uh, he said, hoping Adobe will back VS code somehow. And I heard that they were going to do that. And I thought I heard last year's roadshows, not even this year's roadshow. So, yeah, you know. there's been talk of VS Code. I'm not sure what I can say about it because I'm not sure what conversations I'm thinking of that happened inside the pre-release um, or happened in, in a private email chain. So I won't say anything about it. But yes, there has there has been grumblings of CS Code. I say grumblings uh, uh, sarcastically. There has been talk of, of embracing VS Code, but I don't know what it looked like. And to date, it does not appear that Adobe would simply um, pick up Matthew Brown's, you know, he's the comma sake, or I can never pronounce his username. Uh, the, it, it appears that they would not just pick that up and just push it or support it. They would, they would probably be rebuilding something from scratch. But outside of that, I don't know, you know, what that looks like or what they're thinking about, at least not in any way that I think I could share. Um, but I am very interested in that because I would love to see Adobe push, you know, a platform that already has a whole lot of, of support in the community um but you know the time will tell we'll see uh, we'll see where that goes in regards to what adobe says yeah i'm curious too well hopefully we'll get an announcement about that sometime so but vs code is pretty cool and if you're not sold on your current ide developer uh experience uh definitely check it out it's got lots of great options we love just the extensibility of it and there's always new cool stuff that you can find and you know, that's why we started this whole segment was because every time I went to a training or a conference, everyone's like, show me what extensions you have. Like it was the, the most <laughs> asked question. I was like, okay, so let's just do it every week. Oh, so, you know what we need, Gavin? We what? need an extension for VS code that allows you to compare your extensions with somebody else. Like, I don't know how it would work, but like, you know, you scan yeah, actually, it, it wouldn't code, be that hard to be honest. You, you hold your phones <laughs> together with NFC, something happens and it's like, bloop, bloop, like you have these extensions that this guy doesn't have and vice versa. And you're like, oh, you want, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just saying that this needs to be built. We need to figure this out. It wouldn't be that hard considering everything's JSON based inside of it anyway. Like it's pretty, pretty cool. Oh yeah. The hardest part would be figuring out how you would connect their computer. But yeah, I'm sure there's some API for all of that information. Yeah. Pretty cool. 
Okay, we're at that time of the week. Um, basically, we're going to thank all our Patreon supporters and our new Patreon supporter, Sean Odin. So he's actually speaking at uh, ITB this year. He's doing the database one, right? Possibly, I would have to look. <laughs> uh, set him up with a softball pitch and he drops it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm busy As trying a... to help people to see if migration's on Slack right now. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Sean, uh, is the, the latest patron supporter and we, we thank him for that. And thanks to everybody who's supporting us. Um, we have packages from little as 10 bucks a month to, to really help. And everything does help. As we said, we're our first goal for patron is to fully fund the podcast and the time that we take, uh, on and off the, the camera here. And Until such a date that our income looks like Microsoft's, in yeah. which case we'll suspend Patreon and we'll just do whatever we want. But until then, <laughs> yep unfortunately but uh well, look we have little placeholder images for people now little superman capes very cool so yeah so we have uh you know a lot of a lot of open source initiatives and our podcasts are one of them and the patreon support once we meet those goals it goes to things like command box and forge box and cold box and all those other tools that we like we said like microsoft we try and give away for free but sometimes you got to pay the bills so uh, <laughs> we have patreon packages available on patreon.com slash order solutions and you can even get luis in a box if you pay enough on our patreon <laughs> <laughs> we, we ship him with ice packs so he stays fresh yeah <laughs> that and that's a coffee right because he likes his espresso espresso too <laughs> but so thank you andrew davis brian white carvin staten dali dan card daniel garcia david bellinger didias Lesnicki, don bellamy eric hoffman gary knight jan yannick jeremy adams John Farrar, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Katie Holmes, Laxma Tirahati, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Richard Herbert, Samuel Knowlton, Sean Odin, Scott Steinbeck, BJ, and your guest, Mr. So, yeah, we really appreciate all of your help and all of your support, everybody. Uh, it really does go a long way. And thanks to all our listeners and watches as well. We do appreciate it, and we like the, the chat we get as we produce this live every week on YouTube. So thank you, everybody, for making the show as, as good as it is couple more episodes will be episode 50 brad all right we should have something special for episode 50 yeah i don't know what but i'm just the idea guys somebody else has needs to think up what it's going to be well tune in and find out so next week (laughs) episode 48 same time catch you all then have a good week all right bye-bye guys bye Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.